Amen. Good morning. I love preaching in front of people. Last night was like the first time in three months, and it felt different. But we have to do something. So I, I want you guys to pretend real quick. Close your eyes and pretend like I just said the most amazing thing ever. And I want to hear a reaction. Yeah. See, see, last night, I think I brought a good message. Like, I, I think at least there's some good stuff to it. I preached the gospel. And I think we've gotten so used to watching church from a screen that we forget that the people up here need some love, right? You know how they do like the, the love language test? I'm just gonna throw this out there. Like my, my love language is words of affirmation. So some, some amens, some that's a good word. Even just like praise Jesus. Let's say I say something totally stupid, just praise Jesus and we'll just start clapping for him. Yeah? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're all here. Is anyone here new to this house? Anyone new? Anyone new? Why not? <laughs> you guys invite people. Look, we're, we're, in the, we're, we're living in a time when people need hope. They need love. And, and we have what they need. So don't be selfish. Invite them. And those of you on, on, on the internet and Facebook, my, my church is watching live right now from Las Cruces. So we welcome you dwell. We welcome New Life City who's watching online. We bless you. And uh, yeah, let me just pray real quick. I want some more spirit. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you want us to encounter you. We thank you that you want to encounter us. Jesus, we invite your presence here today. God, touch our hearts, open our hearts. Let us receive more of you. Less of us, more of you. And together we say, more Lord. More Lord. All right. So Alan asked me to come and, and give a word. And, and it's normally I would come and give some crazy spirit-filled encounter, let's go after miracle signs and wonders type message. I mean, I, I love that. But we're living in a crazy time right now. You know, and, and we, we, we're living in a time when there's just, I mean, almost the world looks like complete chaos. And I thought to myself, how do I, how do, I do this? You know, and to be honest, as a pastor, I've struggled, you know, with COVID. How do you lead a church through a pandemic? How do you lead a church when everything you see is about fear and anxiety and, and everything else? And then racial tension. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got to be honest with you. Like, these are challenging times, to, probably for any leader, right? So, so, you know, I've found myself just seeking the Lord, 
You know, I'm the type of guy, you know, I, I feel like God's giving me something and I'm, I'm gone, right? <laughs> I'm like, you stop me if this is not what you want, type of guy. But with this, with what's going on, I find myself spending days in prayer, you know, stopping my reacting, stopping, you know, that, that stepping forward and saying, God, I need you to guide me. Because we've never dealt with this stuff before. Right? And, and right now, can we just get the pastors of the house to stand up? I don't even see any. There. Let's give them, let's just give them applause. Because we got to give them love. I'm telling you, what the job that they have. We love you, Charlie. <laughs> the job that they have. It's difficult during this time. There's a lot of different ideas. There's a lot of different feelings and emotions. And, and trying to wrestle with this stuff can be, I mean, it's difficult for me. Maybe it's easy for Charlie. But I, I imagine we're all kind of in the same place. Um, you see, what we're having today, like we, we see so much destruction, right? We see, you know, the, the viruses, which is causing fear and anxiety. We see lies. Like we're living in a time when there are so many lies that it's hard to know what is truth. I mean, we don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't know where to turn to for truth besides my Bible. What's that? Truth is a person. Truth is a person, yes. Right? We, we, so we have lies. And, and now, you know, there, there's, there, we're experiencing this racial tension. This, we're experiencing, you know, what happens after a history of racism. We, we see hate and we see rioting, right? We see, we're seeing peaceful protests, but we're also seeing great destruction. I mean, this is, this is tough. This is tough for anyone. But this is what I want you guys to know. When the world seems dark, when the world seems like there's no hope, it is our opportunity. You see, I can come up here and I can, I can preach miracle signs and wonders and we can experience God and, and, and we can, we will. But it is time for us to rise up as a church and do what we're called to do. It's time for us to look like we're called to look. See, I want revival. Who wants revival? See, I pray for revival. But I think it's up to us. Right? I think that, that we have a great opportunity, and, and I think that we need to catch this. And this is why I think that this message is so important during this time. We are called to look different. Do you remember when you guys came to faith? I mean, just, you don't have to say it, but think about the time when you came to faith. Think about that moment. And it, I, I, I know that some people were raised, 
you know, Christian, they had amazing parents that, that had great faith. Um, and so they, some people don't know anything but faith. Some people at an early age. Um, I, I came to faith later in life. Um, and, and so I, I saw myself, I can look back and I, and I think of myself and I think I, I'm kind of blessed in the fact because I can look and I know who I was before. I wasn't a bad guy. Like I, I, was, I was probably your standard American going after the American dream. But I see myself now. You know, and it's even fun to see people that knew me before and then haven't seen me in a while and they see me now. Right? There, there, was, there was this transition. There was a, this change. Um, but I remember one time, and I, it was early in my faith, and, and I, was, I was doing the stuff that you do when you come to faith. Like, I, there was, I had experienced God in a way that sparked this hunger inside of me. And I started, you know, reading the Bible and going to church and taking courses that the church were, was offering. I mean, I was, I was actually pretty on fire for God. Like, I think I read the whole Bible in three months. Understood none of it. But I did. I read it. <laughs> cover to cover. Um, but I remember a time my, my family went out of town, right? So I was at home by myself. I was, had the bachelor pad, you know, that's what everyone, and I did what any bachelor does and goes, I am going to work through an inner healing book, right? That's what we do as bachelors. So when, he, when wives, when you go away with the kids, this is the type of stuff that we do. Just, just know that. So, so my pastor at the time gave me this inner healing book. And, and it was one of those books that, you know, you, you walk through, you, you repent and you pray, and then, you know, you kind of just kind of go through your life and you, you ask God if there's anything you need repent. You guys know the type of book, yes? Most of us are familiar. If you haven't seen one, Charlie will hook you up. <laughs> um, so I, was, I got home from work and it was like six o'clock and I, and I had decided I'm going to take this time being a bachelor at home, to go through this book. And so I started at 6 o'clock, and I worked through it. And I prayed, and I just, the Spirit of God was all over it. And, and I went through it from 6 p.m. to 2 in the morning. Went through the whole thing. And um, at the time, like, I, I honestly don't think, like, I wasn't, like... Some, it wasn't like this huge, I just went through it, you know, and, and yes, I felt God there, and I, yes, I was praying, it was, but it wasn't this giant thing for me. But the next morning, I was running late, because I stayed up till two in the morning, because I was a bachelor, <laughs> and I, I was hurrying to get out of the house, and what do we do right before we leave the house? At least I do. And you guys might act like you don't, but you check yourself one last time in the mirror, right? No, I do. I check myself in the mirror, and I remember looking, and I thought to myself, I look different. I remember staring at myself in the mirror that morning and thinking to myself, I look different. I feel different. There's something different about me. And it took me a moment, and then all of a sudden I remember, and I said it out loud, I look like a Christian. 
I noticed something physically different in me. Now, if you took a picture of me the day before versus the day, that day, I probably looked tired. But I saw, <laughs> you know, but I saw something different in me, right? Because being a Christian looks like something. We're going to start with John 3, um, 1 through 8. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely, they they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, You must be born again. Born again. Um, It's interesting because this term wasn't new even when I became a Christian. Like, you just hear it. Like, it's almost, it's almost like a title, right? To talk about the type of Christian you are. I'm a born-again Christian. Um, I, and, and we read scriptures like this, and I think that we kind of pass right by it. But I think, I, I know what Jesus is, he's, he's actually talking about something big here. Like this, this is, this is, this is something shocking to Nicodemus, because he, Jesus is talking about a complete transformation, right? Something that looks different. Let me explain something. When I became born again. Maybe it was the day that I went through this inner healing thing. Maybe that was the time that it happened, right? Because I looked different the next day. Maybe it was when I got baptized in water. You know, a lot of times we, we, we associate being baptized in water with new birth, right? And, and in fact, in my Bible, in my original OG Bible, I wrote in there um, the date that I got baptized and I put born again. That was the day that I addressed, uh, that I thought of myself as being born again. But what I realized is, let me put it this way. If, how do you know that I was born? in the first place. Because I'm standing here. I'm here right now. There's no one here doubting that I was born, right? Like maybe somebody, I might be an angel. I'm not an angel. I was truly born. My mom went, you know, I was in my mom's womb for nine months and she gave birth. And um, so I was born, right? I don't need my birth certificate. Like no one, I'm not, no one's asking me for my birth certificate. My birth certificate's not proof that I was born. Me being here, 
is witness of it. I implore, and I know, that being born again should have similar results. We should have, we should bear witness to our rebirth. Let me say that again. We must bear witness to our rebirth. See, we're not called to look like the rest of the world. We're called to take on a type of transformation that, that Jesus is talking about here. And the, the, what, what Nicodemus understood was the type of transformation of being nothing to being something. I don't know what transformation could be, be expressed differently, but bigger than that. Maybe light and dark. But wait, Jesus uses that too. See, we're called to look like something. Now, I bring this up I bring this up because in the midst of all this craziness in this world, I bring this up because when the world looks dark, we're called to be the light. See, when COVID happened, the response from the world was not surprising. I have to tell you though, the response from the church broke my heart. And I know it's not everybody, but it's a lot. That, that we are called to look different. See, with COVID, our neighbors who are business owners, the people that got laid off from their jobs, the people that couldn't pay their bills, the people that didn't know how to put food on their tables were bleeding on the side of the road. And much of the church was more focused on getting back in the building. I'm not saying being in the building's bad. I love the fact that we could be here now, but our first priority shouldn't have been this. See, our first priority should be lifting up our neighbor and making sure that they had what they needed first. Look, we need the church. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying we, don't, we don't need each other and we don't need to meet. I'm saying that we can sacrifice the way we meet for a season. Look, I hate doing Facebook Live services. I hate preaching in front of a camera. I hate um, not being able to hug my people and love my people. I hate not being able to walk down the street and praying for the sick like I used to because people run away from you. <laughs> but I realized for a season, I can lay that down. I can lay down my comforts for the sake of my neighbor. Because when we show sacrifice, because yes, we do have the right to meet. Yes, we live in a country where we get to meet and it is our civil liberty. 
And I'm not, I'm not arguing that. But Jesus didn't argue his civil liberties. Jesus didn't argue his rights. He set the example. He laid down his right, and he died on the cross for us. You see, it was the church's response that saddened me. With this racial tension, I'm like all over. The people that were here last night are probably like, he's preaching a totally different sermon. <laughs> I'll find my place in a moment. <laughs> With the racial tension, look, like, I've, I live in this country. And I've got friends of all races, and I know that there's racism. What happened to George Floyd broke my heart. Seeing that was crazy. But I have to tell you, it wasn't surprising. And that's sad, but that wasn't surprising. But you know what's surprising? It's some of the response that I see from Christians on Facebook. I'm just being honest with you guys. We're called to love our neighbor and our neighbor's hurting. Whether it's COVID and sickness and fear of disease or hate because of what people, because of someone's skin color. Look, there's things that I will never understand. I will tell you right now that, that I am a white man and there are things that I will never understand. I will never feel. I will never experience that my neighbor has to experience daily. And, and we have to be honest. And we have to stand up for the people that are being persecuted. That's the response that should be from the church. I could sit here and say, well, I'm not racist. <laughs> but I know I represent people that are. Man, this guy went, wait, this, I didn't even get into this last. But this is on my heart, you guys. This is, this, is, this is the society that we live in, and we get to choose. We get to choose the truth that we're going to live in. Man, I just want to walk up. Honestly, I want to walk up to, to black people and just say, I'm sorry. Actually, I am. Right now, as a white man, I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what we've done for you, to you. I'm sorry that, that we live in a society that doesn't get how you feel. And I'm sorry that I will never understand how you feel. I'm serious, you guys. We need to love our neighbor. Because our neighbors' lives matter. We get to choose. We get to choose what our truth is. See, my truth is that, that Jesus died for my sins. My truth is that he made me clean so the Holy Spirit could fill me. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost. We celebrated with 3,000 men, right? And women and children. 
were filled with the Spirit and saved that started the church. That is the legacy that we're running on today. See, those 3,000 men, their lives were radically changed that moment. What they were before that day became different like that. You know why? Because they allowed it though. See, the Spirit of God, the Spirit that Jesus is giving us is a gift. It's a gift for you and me. It's a gift for the whole world. But it takes us to take it and receive it. I could come to you with a gift. I could come to you with the most amazing gift ever. But if you don't take it, if you don't position your heart and say thank you, you don't get it. That's not my fault, that's yours. See, on Pentecost, 3,000 men got saved. They received the gift. But not everyone there was. A lot of people left. A lot of people's hearts were not, were not open for their gift. A lot of people didn't receive it, whether it was fear or hate or thinking they're drunk and crazy. Let's face it, Christians, we look crazy. The revival that we pray for looks crazy. Not everyone's going to take it. Not everyone's going to receive it. And that's up to us. But it looks like something. Being born again doesn't look like nothing. It looks like something. Being born again is not just about transformation. It's, a, it's about uh, uh, adoption into a new family. It's about a new family relationship. And this is what we really need to get. See, Romans 8, 14 through 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted into His family. We are sons and daughters of God, and that's got to look like something. We, we represent Him. We are his representatives to the world. Do you get this? That, that the gift that he gave you is not just to give you a gift, but so you can be a representative for him to the world. Let me explain it this way. The Spirit of God wasn't first introduced on Pentecost. The Spirit of God has been here since creation, right? The Spirit hovered over the waters, right? But what we find in the, in the Old Testament is there were special people, right? The prophets and the leaders that the Spirit would speak through. So God had his people that he would use as his representative to, his, to the people, right? So God had his representatives to the people that was typically the prophets, Yes? Because they were full of the Spirit and they spoke truth. We are full of the Spirit too. 
Now the Spirit has been poured out on all who believe. So we are part of his family and we're his representatives to the world. This isn't, this isn't the same, this isn't just the only time it really gets into stuff like this. Like you, we have to grasp this. The temple. If you understand temple theology, you know, from, from the garden, the garden of Eden was considered the first temple. That's where heaven and earth met. That's where God resided, right? The tabernacle and the temple, those were all places. The, the Jews knew that that's where God's presence was. We read about it in the Bible. They knew when it was there and they knew when it was gone. But that's where heaven and earth met. That was, that was the place where heaven and earth met. That's where God dwelled. And now you are the temple. You are the connection between heaven and earth. That's why we have access from heaven to release on earth. Priests. You're a priest. And we say that because, and we don't fully grasp it. I want to read the scripture. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful, his wonderful light. See, we think of priests through our culture, right? But a priest in the Old Testament was a representative from the people to God. See, God had his representatives from him to the people. Priests were the representatives from the people to God, right? They offered the sacrifices and the praise. And you guys catching this? So you're full of his spirit. You're God's representative. You're the temple. You're where God dwells. You are the connection between heaven and earth. And you're a royal priesthood who is the people's representative, the world's representative to God. See, we play a role in this. Do you get this? We don't need representatives anymore. Jesus, our high priest, paid the ultimate sacrifice so we can live as one with him and the Father. I, I feel, I honestly, I feel blessed. People look at me, my mom who might be watching right now, my mom actually felt guilty when I came to faith because she raised me, I was raised with no faith. My dad was Jewish, he was raised Jewish. My mom was raised Catholic and they made the choice that they were gonna um, not push religion. I think there was some hurt and some things had that happened there. But they're, they're, they weren't going to push religion on us. So she actually felt guilty and she apologized to me at one point. Said, I'm sorry. I feel like maybe I should have. But I said, no. <laughs> I feel blessed that I came to faith at an older age because I see myself before. I know my old self. And I know my new self. And I know when my life starts to look like my old self. Yep. Because I'm not perfect. 
Until I look like Jesus completely, I never will be. <laughs> but when I start looking like my old self, it is such a contrast that I'm able to say, oh, no, <laughs> Jesus, help me. Because I know that being Christian looks like something. I know what Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born again, that it looks like something. Romans, I believe, Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart that, that what is it? If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, no. If you declare with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord, right, and then you believe in your heart that he was raised from the de dead, you'll be saved. Close, right? That's probably some. But that's a two-part thing. Right? It's not just declaration. Sometimes I feel like we get stuck in the, in the declaring, but it's when you believe in your hearts that it looks like something. Do you get this? It, when you believe something holy in your heart, it changes everything. See, before I was Christian, everything that I thought was truth became lies. And everything that was lies became truth. I mean, my, my truth, the contrast was huge. I gotta speed up. This is good stuff though. Like, come on. <laughs> so we gotta choose our truth. Right? Real quick. Thomas Jefferson, did you know he made his own Bible? Thomas Jefferson took the four Gospels and he made a book called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And what he did was he took the four Gospels, he took a razor blade and he took some glue. I'm not joking. And he cut out anything supernatural, any miracles, anything that made Jesus divine, any, especially the resurrection, he cut it all out and he republished it as his own book. They called it the Jefferson Bible. When I read that, I thought to myself, what the? Thomas Jefferson? It, it shocks me. Until God told me, you do the same thing, Daniel. And I realized that I might not be there with the razor blade and glue, but I pick and choose what I wanna, what I wanna be my truth from the Bible. Amen. And we all do. And, and this is what I wanna get to today. We live in a society where we can choose our own truth. We can actually invent truth. And that's what postmodernism is. That's the society we live in. We actually reject a singular truth now. And truth is about feelings and emotions. So if I feel the sky is purple, it is. And you can't tell me it's not because that's my truth. You can have your truth, I'm gonna have my truth. 
And in fact, I'm going to find 15 articles online that support my truth, and I'm going to bombard you with them. <laughs> we also live in an information age where we can support any truth that we want. So now we're inventing truth, and we have whatever we want to support it, and, and we're living in different truths. That's why Republicans watch Fox News and Democrats watch MSNBC and they live in completely different truths and that's why no one can get along. <laughs> because they, they, they go, they want, I want this to be my truth and this is why I'm watching this and it's going to support my truth. We can be in the same room and have different truths. But... As Christians, we should not. And this is where we, we fall into dangers, is when we start letting postmodernism change the way we believe. When we start deciding what we want to be truth or not, what we want to be our truth. I've had people tell me, Daniel, you're like an evangelist. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable praying for the sick, but you do. So God must be calling you to tell people, to pray for the sick and tell people about Jesus. And he's telling me, um, he must be calling me just to pray for you from my room. Because I don't feel comfortable. It's a wrong thing to tell me. Because it's not about how we feel. It's about what he's called us to do. Jesus never says, if you feel called to tell someone about me, then I'm calling you to tell someone about me. And if you don't, then I'm not. He says, go. <laughs> Make disciples of nations. See, truth is not always comfortable. But it's not about being comfortable. Just like church is not about a building. It's about meeting and encouraging and strengthening each other however we can. Yes? Where am I at? Okay. Dang it. Real quick. So this is important. Okay, so back in the day, and probably today, but, but back in the day, and we, we've heard it, we, you know, Christian missionaries were going into societies and they were colonizing societies, right? Which means that they would, they would take not just Jesus, they would take their culture and their beliefs and their values and their truths, and they would actually change cultures. So they would go into a pre-Christian society that didn't know Jesus, and they would bring the gospel and all their baggage, whether it's Jesus or not, with them. Right, and this is actually a big mark on Christianity today. It's something that, that we have to be very aware of. In fact, when I went to Mozambique, I had to read a book called When Helping Hurts that talks about this. Because we're not called to change culture, we're just called to bring Jesus to it. Yes? Now, we live in a post-Christian society if, not, if we're not post-Christian yet, we're, we're like borderline, and it probably depends on what city you live in. There's some cities that I think not, but anyway. When we, when we live in a post-Christian society, just like we would colonize a pre-Christian society, 
I want you to think about this. I think we run the risk of being colonized. Look, so in a pre-Christmas society, Mr. Daniel shows up with his white shoes and his Apple watch and people and Jesus. And I share the good news and I pray and maybe some crazy signs and wonders, you know, people blind eyes open and deaf ear, whatever, right? Praise God. But they're like, yeah, but I want those shoes too. And I want to talk like you and I want to listen to your music and I want, and, and so because there's an appeal, right? When you live somewhere where you have nothing, when someone who has everything and Jesus, they want the whole package. But now we live in this, this post-Christian society where being a Christian is not always enough for us. We see the world around us and we want everything that the world has. We see the world around us and we see the values and we, we can't help but start to look like the world. Do you understand this? Like once we were the ones colonizing the world and now we are being colonized by the world. We are beginning to look like the rest of the world. You can't say I've got better values or I, I'm nicer to people or anything. I, I know some really nice atheists that will give you the shirt off their back. See, we're called to even go beyond that. We're called to give our lives. We're called to look completely different. We are Christians and we've been born again and we have to be honest with ourselves. That looks like something. It looks like something. It looks like bringing peace in the mix of chaos. It looks like bringing hope in the mix of fear. It means bringing love in the mix of hate. We, people should see you walking down the street and be like, oh, that's a Christian. I'm not joking. Like there's something on you that when you're filled with the spirit that people could see. But we have to decide. Do I want to look like Jesus or do I want to look like the world? Because we're very much in control. I believe all of you have been filled with the Spirit. I believe all of you have been born again. But sometimes, like me, we start slipping back into our old lives. And sometimes we just keep going. And it's up to us to recognize and go, Jesus, show me where I'm wrong. Show me the lies that I'm believing. See, we live in this society that tells us that we can have whatever truth we want. We see the world not through the lenses of Jesus, but we see Jesus through the lenses of the world. And we got to change that. It, it is hard to live in this world. It's hard with, with all these crazy worldviews. Individualism. It's all about me. It's about my comforts. It's what I want. You're all here for me. 
right? We need to change that. Nationalism. Did you know nationalism is actually a worldview that's anti-Christian? If you're seeing Jesus through the lens of a politician, you better go back to him and start reading your Bible. (laughs) I'm not saying don't get political. I'm saying see politics through the lenses of Jesus. We need to be honest with ourselves. All of this destruction is an opportunity for the church. All of what is happening today, this darkness is an opportunity for the church. But it's up to us to step into that opportunity. You all said you wanted revival. We'll take it. See, we sit here, we go, God, do something. Man, I'm so bad on time. Do something, God. Right? We sit here, we're waiting for God to do something. But I'm telling you, he did it. He came here, he established his kingdom, and he commissioned you to do something. And he gave you the power to do it. And we look like the rest of the world. How can we be Christians and look like everyone else? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify Father in heaven. See, when the world looks so flipping dark, it just gives us more of an opportunity to shine our lights. You are the light. Like I said, what it could be a bigger contrast, nothing to something, dark to light. Jesus tells you. He tells you what it looks like to follow him. This is our opportunity, church. Do you want your friends and family saved? Jump on the opportunity. I'm serious though. Like, look, look at the opportunities. Do you know how many people are coming to faith right now on Facebook Live? Because we're preaching the truth, the true truth. Something that Fox News and MSNBC and what is CNN can't. This is truth. Love. Yes? Man, I almost made it through my whole sermon and I got myself in trouble. (laughs) It's time to represent the kingdom of God. It's time to represent our family well. This is the time. Okay, I'm good. Can we stand up? I'll do what Alan does. I like how he does this. (laughs) Jesus, we repent for seeing you through the lenses of the world. We repent for putting ourselves first 
We repent for not recognizing our bleeding neighbor. Jesus, help us. Teach us how to represent you better. Fill us fresh with your spirit. Let your light shine in us that the world can see us. Let us beam for you. Let us walk down the street and let your father, let the father of heaven be glorified. Jesus, don't let us be colonized. Protect us. I pray protection from colonization. (laughs) Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Don't let us waste what you did for us. It's in your name I pray.